0: thanks for listening to the underdog podcast presented by the riley decker companies please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice thank you well today we have another special guest in the first the first guest we've had on twice on the underdog podcast tim kite welcome back to the udp
1: Kyle, I saw on my calendar that I was going to be doing this podcast with you again. I did not know that I am the first uh, repeat, so uh, I I love talking with you. I can't wait to get into whatever you want us to talk about today because it's always great to talk with you.
0: Yeah, and it's a blessing. Um, Your work has made a big impact on my life. I talk about it often, actually, my ERO bracelet right here, so... Um, I know it's been super uh, resourceful, not just in my business but in my personal life. And I thought today's episode, Tim, and uh, is, is to really help folks that are going through a big event um, with a, a system and a framework that can help them through. We've had a lot of inspirational guests talking about adversity, disabilities, anxiety. Um, you know, all the stuff going on with COVID you know, anything of that sort adversity or an event. And I thought today could really be focused on the great work you've done in your life to help others through that. And and that a lot of us is the R factor. But before we go, those that don't know, Tim, hopefully you to the first episode. I know that's not always the case, but you know, his, his mission here is it's not about him or it's not about him and his team. It's about the people and the teams we serve. So really through discipline driven leadership culture and behavior how do you maximize your life and or performance? So once again, Tim, hopefully that was uh, a good intro for you. But, um, you know, would love to start and enter into the podcast, um, really go back. The first epi- the first episode we had together. You uh, gave our audience a big event in your life. And so I thought we'd start off with yourself and the adversity and how you're attack, you know, attacking your personal framework and then lead into maybe some of the other uh, disciplines throughout how you can help others.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. And and yes, when we since we well, when we first talked, I was right around that time 2 years ago I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, which means it's metastatic, it's not curable. Uh, it it's potentially controllable a little bit, but it really in the it's it's terminal. Meaning that it's it they they, they do it's they want to control what's called disease progression. And the in all the therapies, all the things that I do, are about slowing it down, and trying to prevent it from growing at the pace it wants to. And so that's the that's where we are. That's what we're in. That was the event I was dealt two years ago. And you know, it's ironic that you know, right when I got the diagnosis, is right when all the business shutdowns and COVID really began to to kick in in a real serious way. And so I was dealing with my own cancer diagnosis, going through chemo. Uh, and, and all the COVID stuff was happening. So that, that would qualify as adversity. I think that's uh, that's right up there uh, with, um, with with challenges in life. And um, so, yeah, I've been navigating that for two years. And I uh, got scans uh, about a month ago that showed three uh, new term- tumors have shown up. And, um, and then they're going to start me on a new drug protocol coming up next week, actually. I've done immunotherapy. I've done uh, chemo. I've done hormone therapy. I've done surgery. And just a bunch of things are going to do to fight this thing. And it's a never ending. It will be a lifelong battle for me. And I hope when I say lifelong, I hope that's, you know, 10 years. The diagnosis is generally three to five years a prognosis, I should say. And that's, that was what they told me. I very seriously plan on it being a lot longer than that. And, uh, and just, I do, I do battle every day. And I, I got to tell you, Kyle, that I, I actually just got off the phone with uh, with Lincoln Riley. Uh, we, we've been hired by USC football uh, to be the leadership and culture coach for USC football, which I'm excited about uh, to say the least and to help Lincoln and, and his staff bring USC back to national prominence again. They believe deeply in the power of culture and leadership and E plus R equals O. And we were talking about cancer and we're talking about my situation and it's just, it's a battle, it's a fight. And I said, I love to compete. And so you ask about framing. I frame my battle of cancer as 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 something I get the privilege to do. Uh, I've always believed, and I teach in our Factor. No one is exempt from adversity. I think the first mistake people make when it comes to difficulties, challenges, and adversity is they're thinking and hoping it will never happen. It, sometimes it's it's it, we get good stuff. Sometimes you get a lot of time it's neutral stuff. But at some point, all of us get painful, difficult things, right? It's not a matter of whether or not you're going to have adversity. It's a matter of what's going to happen when, um, and that's just the, that's just the reality of it. So I went into this, I'd prepared myself many years ago that adversity was a real possibility for my life. And when it was announced and the, you know, the, the, the tests were done and the doctor came in and said, Hey, Tim, you got stage four cancer. It's metastatic and it's not curable." Mm -hmm. I said, let's go, let's, let's, let's start the battle. And that's been my mindset. The last two years of my life have been fantastic. I tell people all the time, I feel good physically. I feel great spiritually, mentally. And the side effects of the medications I take are very unpleasant. And in 2020, I didn't have this hair because of chemo, (laughs) right? Uh, I will have to do chemo again at some point in the future. And, uh, but you know what? I just take it all in stride because that's just the nature of the battle that I'm in. And I, I I recently was telling some folks, E plus R equals O, event, response, outcome. Your R must meet the demands of the outcome that you want and the event that you're experiencing. That, that your R, if you want a certain outcome, there, there's a necessary R. If you're dealing with this, some events and circumstances and situations, there's a necessary R. And that's the task, and that's the mindset that I think we all have to bring to this. And and I, I, that's, that's where I'm at right now. That's what I'm thinking. And so I just focus on working, loving my family, serving my clients, and, and, and I don't worry about cancer. I fight it. Zero negativity, Kyle. Zero. No fear, no negativity, no BCD. Just fight the fight, do my job, love my family, serve my clients, and let's go.
0: Yeah, and and Tim, how how have you sustained cuz even even the best of us, right, sustaining that mindset. First time we talked about it, it was it was it was a newer prognosis and you were about to enter into that fight, you know, for for your life and you still are, right? So, yeah. how have you sustained this operational framework, this mindset? Is it constantly going back to the different disciplines of the R factor? Is it you know, has there been any points in the road? Because I think, as I mentioned in the last episode, I think you're one of the most mentally, you know, strong folks, because you've, you've committed your life's work to this, and you're constantly approaching it in, in a certain fashion, which I think is is envious of saying, okay, gr- I if I was in your situation, I hope I would fight like you, but you are fighting one hell of a fight. But how do you sustain that? How are you sustaining that now it's been two years?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things I've always taught, and I'll we'll back up for a second. My commitment to the tools that we teach, here's my journey, Kyle. I study these things, and number one, I'm a student of them. R factor, leadership, mindset, culture, mental toughness, emotional management, all the things. I'm a student of it first. I'm a user of it second, and I'm a teacher of it third. My first thought when I read something, when I study something, my first thought is how can I put that into practice into my life, and then and only then do I think about how can I put it into something that I can teach to other people. Therefore, over the years, I have built these things into my life, and and one of the things that I teach is that when adversity strikes, and you reach deep within yourself, deep within your heart, to find the courage. To respond in an above-the-line discipline-driven way. What you will find within you is what you have built within you. And if you haven't done the work prior to the adversity, you'll reach within yourself and you won't find very much there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I put five purposes on my heart a long time ago. I put four core values on my heart a long time ago. I put E plus R equals O on my heart a long time ago. I put productive self-talk. I put focus, discipline focus on my heart a long time ago so that when this hits me and now I'm in the midst of it, and it can be very intimidating, the kind of cancer that I have, because it's just not going to go away. It's not one of these things where we're looking to cure it. It's not going to happen unless God intervenes, which he can do. And I pray for, I mean, I would love for God to heal me. And if he is so inclined to do so, (laughs) awesome. But apparently what I've got the rest of my life is a daily battle. I accept that. I don't, I don't control it. And, and I only focus on the controllables. I know we, those are cliches. People talk about them, but they're not really. I mean, you think about it, it's not, I mean, if I start drifting over to uh, try to control things I don't control, I, I would not be in a mentally healthy space. So my my sustaining of this on a day-to-day basis is, is number one, I don't worry about the past or the future. What what I do is I I win the moment. I I deeply believe that. The only moment I have available to me to love my family, do my job, serve my clients is today. So guess where my focus is? I I was talking to my wife about it. I'm driving back from the office. I'm in my condo here. We sold our house, by the way, in Columbus. We're building a home in Bluffton, South Carolina. I retain in a condo here in, in in Columbus in Powell, so this is my home office. Nice, and Congrats. and uh, a friend of ours had texted us, and uh, her husband was in the hospital battling cancer, and we were texting back. My wife was texting back and forth, and he passed away on Saturday, like within a week. And we were talking as I'm driving back. She's down in Bluffton, uh, overseeing the, the the stuff down there, and we were just talking about how precious every. Single day of our life is, and we were just talking about where where she's going to have the experience that 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 she has with this friend of ours, where she texted the friend, "How's your husband doing?" And the friend texted back that he passed away on Saturday. Mm. And my wife is is you know getting emotional on the phone, saying, "I'm going to have to do that someday." And I said, "Yes, yeah, you are." And we talked about it. Therefore, what? Let's not worry about when that day is going to come. Let's enjoy today. Let's embrace the moment. And, and that's part of how I sustain it. I use the tools. They're not quotes or cliches. They're genuine disciplines. I built a belief system into my life. I've engraved on my heart things that matter. I know my why. And that's a, that's a, that's a daily battle for me. So uh, a daily discipline for me. And, and that's what allows me to fight and win this battle. And again, another thing is how you frame it. Mm-hmm. Like if I frame having cancer as a woe is me, why would this happen to me? You know, where is God in the midst of all this? And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, all negative. If I framed it like that, I'd feel negative and I would be ineffective. But I don't frame it like that. That's not the way I look at it. I frame it as people get cancer. I'm one of them. It's a privilege. How can I use this disease that I'm fighting in a way that benefits people around me? And how can I use it to, to do things that, that, you know, enhance and and fulfill this mission I'm on. So is that helpful? Is that?
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I think we talk about predictable events, which you've taught us through your framework. And that's one tough, predictable event that one day yeah. your wife has to, to experience what unfortunately yeah. that the other gal had to herself um, with someone that's maybe in a similar situation, which I think a lot of our audience is going through Maybe something of that sort with with there's a predictable event like cancer or something, you know, that could be terminal. Any other recommendations that, you know, like you said, win the day. What's important now? My old coach used to say that at Miami, Coach Hepner. Um, yeah. you know, focus on the moment and just take it truly day by day, segment by segment, and, and just max out why you have that and and have that positive framework. So even when doubt creeps in, you stay above the line right? You don't drop below and you you stay above. I mean, is that, like you said, all you can control in your situation, it sounds like?
1: In the R-Factor training, we have six disciplines. Press pause, get your mind right, step up, adjust and adapt, make a difference, and build skill. And each one of those disciplines has very specific mechanics that must be mastered and applied in order to live effectively in response to the stuff of life. The second one, get your mind right, is probably the hardest of the six. It's the most difficult of the six. And in that one, we teach that the human mind as it's navigating life, that that it does four things. When an event hits, number one, the mind chooses what to focus on. Number two, the mind self-talks. Number three, the mind experiences feelings. And number four, the mind takes action. So focus, self-talk, feeling, action. We call that the mindset cycle. And everybody does that. You, no one, No one's mind doesn't do those steps. And that's pretty much the order of it too. Focus, self-talk, feeling, action. And it happens fast, really fast. And that's why the first thing we teach is press pause, slow down, be intentional about what you're focusing on how you're talking to yourself in order to produce productive feelings to drive effective action. Because you're, this is the, this is the key to to the question you're asking Kyle. And this is, I think this can be revolutionary breakthrough transformation for your listeners. Our feelings don't come exclusively or directly from events that we are experiencing. Our feelings come from how we focus on and talk to ourselves about the events we are experiencing. I thus have a choice. I can let cancer determine how I feel, or I can choose to focus a self-talk that produces positive feelings that drives how I respond to having cancer. And what most people do is they let their brain, their mind operate on default. Something negative happens and their frame, their focus is negative, their self-talk is negative, therefore their feelings are negative, which means they don't take effective action, which reinforces a negative cycle. Yeah, and yeah. that's a doom loop. That look, is a doom loop.
0: This is—I got my R Factor yeah. book, and I'm reading. Right, I, I'm telling you, this stuff—this stuff works because you're going through. Yeah. Press pause, get your mind right. Um, if you step turn to up, chapter
1: two. Yeah, yep. turn to chapter two. There's a diagram of the cycle. And and so what I do and what I teach, and what I practice, is I choose what I focus on. I choose what I give my attention to. And I don't focus on negative things. Now, if something negative happens, I frame it in a way of okay, that negative thing is happening. What can I do, productive and positive, in response to that negative thing? And that's my self talk. I don't tell myself negative stories. I don't tell myself something. Uh, I don't. I don't, don't self talk in a cynical, negative fashion. And I'm constantly feeding my emotions, my feelings, productive. Uh, a productive focus and self-talk. I constantly mm-hmm. feed myself the right stuff. Because here's why. Emotions respond to visual and verbal input. For sure. Emotions respond to visual and verbal input. What you pay attention to and what you say to yourself feeds how you feel. What you focus on, you feed. And it's interesting, again, in this context, and I'm constantly at the James. I'm tested all the time, labs and scans, and, and 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 you know, if you didn't have a disciplined mind, and you're constantly in there, and your numbers fluctuate, and every time you go in, there's a a new tumor that shows up, or there's something in your blood that it it, it, it and if you didn't have a disciplined mind, your focus would move, move over to the negative, and your self talk would be negative, and you're going to feed a negative emotional state, that just makes things worse. So I choose what I focus on.
0: Do they? Have, I choose. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't interject. I'm sitting there thinking: Does the hospital? Does someone that has your diagnosis? Do they have someone like a, a Focus Three or a Tim Kite that helps people that are in the same you know situation you are? Do they have like support like that? I was just curious thinking through that and how you're addressing. Like you said, I can only imagine the doctor coming in telling another tumor showed up or your lab results are this. Do hospitals or health systems give a framework like this?
1: They do. Um, I don't don't know what frameworks they use. I I don't know if it's frameworks like this or not. I do know this. If you need a counselor to help you navigate through the trauma and the pain and the difficulty emotional of having cancer, they're absolutely going to refer one to you. There's support groups you can participate in, which they make known right away when you walk in. Um, so, yes, they do. They they provide that. And that's, you know, that's cool. So what's happened for me is uh, when I first went in, someone said, hey, aren't you that guy that did mental training for Ohio State football? And I said, yes. And uh, all of a sudden, word, word went around that the E plus R equals O guy was uh, <laughs> in the uh, uh, in the house getting chemo and stuff. And I ended up myself having the opportunity to encourage and coach and teach and share these things with nurses and doctors. And I learned something. And that is that oncology clinicians have a very tough job because they oversee the process of people dying. I mean, the vast majority of people that go to the James for for cancer treatment, they die. I'm going to. I mean, it's going to get me. But you know, hopefully, it's a long time for now. But but it will, and 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 so they have this challenging job where they've learned if they get too close to a patient, it's heartbreaking when a patient dies. But if they're not close enough to a patient, they come across as cold and indifferent, and they've got to play this mental game as clinicians, where they have to have just enough compassion and friendship and conversation with you to have the visit be positive and a good patient experience, but not get so close that their heart gets attached to these particular patients and their hearts get broken when when the patients pass away. I, I was able to intuit that pretty early on in the process. And so when I go into the James, I always pray and ask myself, who can I encourage today? I love that. How can I make a positive difference to these clinicians today? From the phlebotomists that take my blood to the technicians that do the scans to the Physicians' assistants and nurses' assistants who are in and out of my exam room, taking this, that, and the other thing, to Doctor Monk, who is my oncologist, to Doctor Sabsig, who is my surgeon, and that—that's kind of how I think about it. And I do really believe, Kyle, that one of the most mentally healthy things you can do when you're in the midst of adversity is find someone to go serve. Go find someone who has a need that you can meet, and go focus on that and go do something to serve somebody else. One of the worst things you can do, the, 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 the psychologists call it ruminating. When you ruminate on your problem, when you ruminate on whatever you're going through, that's just gonna, that that's negative focus, negative self-talk. That's gonna feed, again, if you focus on it, you feed it. Yeah. And, and so I've just found going into the James, the clinic, and serving them, encouraging them, Smiling, telling jokes, telling stories, pictures of my grandkids, latest fish I've caught. that's what I do when I go in.
0: yeah, now what I guess this is kind of a selfish question, but someone that's listening I'm in my mid thirties, have three kids under under the age of six how How do I what recommendations with the lens, and maybe your lens hasn't changed, but maybe it has since since you know all this this new event the last two years has taken place. What is your recommendation for someone like myself? I guess it's, like I said, selfish question here, Tim. What's your recommendation on how to address the different, you know, buckets of our life? And you said this is, which I appreciate, the ERO and the discipline has helped my personal life. But how would you say time management, right? Talk to someone trying to grow a business or you're just an employee, you're working, you got work, you got kids, you know, faith, all in between. There's a lot of buckets and not a lot of time, right? How... How would you prioritize or give, I guess, recommendations now at this stage of your life to someone like myself?
1: Hmm. Start every day with Bible study and prayer would be number one. Um, That happens to be my faith tradition. I, I, I believe in Jesus and I believe in Scripture. I understand not everyone does, obviously. And if you're not a person of faith, one, if you're not, explore it, (laughs) and and you may find more truth in there than you realize was there. If you don't, start with Bible and prayer. Start with a quiet time of some kind where you are able to get quiet, get alone, meditate, think, do do some kind of inspirational reading early in the morning. Uh, Number two, physically train. Work out. If you don't make the morning workout, make sure you have one in the afternoon or the evening, but make sure you physically train. That's something else that's been interesting for me because all the medications that I take, and I take this these hormones, things, and and uh, I'm always tired physically. And um, uh, there's all kinds of these negative side effects that I just never feel like training. I do it anyway. And I got last night, I was out in the, while the games were on last night, I I was I'm a bachelor again. When I'm up here, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning. I'm doing my Sunday thing, the linens, the clothes and all kinds of stuff. And I was dressed all warm. And I was at my garage uh, with my ar- arms and legs day. And I'm out in the garage with the hat on and it's 25 degrees and shut the door. And I'm doing curls and, and, and military presses and lateral raises and French curls and squats, uh, goblet squats. And, and I didn't feel like doing any of it. And I just kept saying, you know, self-talk, do the work do the work, fight the fight, fight the battle. And I know that that physical training helps my endorphins and helps my metabolism, but, but that's just for anybody. And and I'm, I turn 69 tomorrow, by the way, is my birthday. And, and you know, boy, if you're listening to this and you're 35 or 40 or 45 and you're not training, get with it, get with it. Come on, do, do do the training. Don't, don't, don't uh, neglect. And then business and family, you have to have boundaries. And this is one of the things that's been most challenging about COVID, where people work from home, right. where they're no longer in an office, and the boundaries were, you know, like like when I'm when I'm uh, in the apartment down in Bluffton that we're renting until we build a house, or I'm visiting uh, BK and, and Brittany with the two grandkids in in Charlotte, or I'm visiting Carrie and Andrea with their their daughter, our, our, our grandchild there. My grandkids will come in the room, Grandpa, Grandpa, and I'll be on a Zoom call with a client or a podcast or something. And because the grandkids, they know no boundaries, right? <laughs> but then their parents come and grab them, and, and I'm able to finish the Zoom or whatever. But but you you do have to establish boundaries. And and if we're working from home, then then make sure you got alignment with your spouse about what those boundaries are, because you need to set aside obviously time. You got to build a business. You got to do your job. You got to fulfill your 20 square feet of the company or the business where you work, but you've got a family life and you got 20 square feet of your family life. And by the way, 20 square feet is our metaphor for the your sphere of ownership, that you control the inside your 20 square feet. And outside you have impact, inside you've got control. So when I use that, that's a metaphor. So boundaries are absolutely essential today, Kyle, and, and you gotta have them. And it's tricky with COVID, but you gotta have them and sit down with your spouse and kids and, and, and honor the boundaries.
0: No, I appreciate it. Last time you challenged, if I was using the framework in my personal life and I, you know, was self-aware I think and said, no, I'm not. And now I think the one thing, um, from today, at least amongst many different things is spending that, that deep thought time, you know, either uh, praying or, you know, able to have some quiet time with and no excuses, no exceptions. Like you said, you got to get it done. I've, I've, uh, Lost some weight, which is good. I went through a weight loss challenge, lost 40 pounds. So I was excited about that. You, I
1: was going to say, you so, look awesome,
0: my yeah, friend. Yeah, I, I let uh, let myself go for a little bit. and I think that was part of it. So I got to stay on that. But I think there's always a reason why not. And I think what I'm hearing yeah. also today is you have every reason to not get up and work out, to not mm-hmm. go out and even spend time with someone like me or a client. Because like I said, time... You don't have uh, potentially a ton of it, or you have a predictable event potentially coming your way. Um, so that's just really, really great amongst many different things of how to max out each day. Because quite honestly, once again, now I'm the go home, and I got to get better at quiet. I got to start my day off in a better, a better way. So
1: the uh, one of the things that that we all have to understand is that. In order to make good decisions in life, you need good information. And sometimes your emotions give you bad information. Yeah. I mean, good decisions are driven by, again, good info. But sometimes how you feel isn't good info. I I made a decision many years ago to untether my emotional state, my energy level to circumstances and situations. It is The ability to be positive in response to negative is a superpower. And it's a superpower available to everyone. And I'll challenge your listeners. What is your current capability to bring a positive mindset to negative situations? And if that's not a current capability you have, start building it today. Start the journey. And, and don't allow how you feel be the determinant of what you do and don't do. It just You just can't live like that. That is a recipe for mediocrity or disaster. So develop the capacity to bring a positive mindset to negative situations. It will change your life.
0: Yeah, we, we talk often about BCD and energy around here. The word energy is, you know, being positive. I mean, it's amazing to go below the line how quickly, and I'll admit it myself, and quite frankly, the reason why I'm probably... I'm making an excuse or I'm making a, you know, defensive on the, on the, or complaining that I have a six month year old daughter, God bless her, a gift, but I also not getting a lot of sleep. So that's my, I'm complaining and I'm also defending my case to say, Hey, I can't get up and do quiet time because of X. So, um, you know, once again, no excuses, no exceptions. And it gives me an ability, like you said, you're you're giving me an awareness ability to to see that and miss that cuz i do think you know someone from, coming from your your lens it's so important because oftentimes people always say you know if you're on your deathbed what do you regret right or what are the things that you would change in your life right that's oftentimes asked i think to a lot of different folks that are you know, having that event in their life. And I always find it curious to read on those that are there or, or someone that's coming to the end of their potential life, getting older in life and, and getting that input from them. So thank you for sharing.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I I uh, of course I'm in the grandparent stage. So um for me, uh, when my children tell me that their little ones are doing this or doing that or doing this or doing that. And it's somewhat disruptive or they don't sleep or they you know, pooped in their pants or threw up in the bed or whatever. I'm going, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> well, while you're been in there. Columbus, if you you been want, there and done that with you guys, if you want to come to Cincinnati, you're more than welcome. If you get a little bored in that condo up in Powell, you know, shoot yep. on down to Cincinnati. We'll we'll bring you to the Decker household and keep you busy. Um,
1: yeah, the the grandparenting is because and that that's the awesome thing, of course, and everyone knows the story is that grandparents get to be with them for short periods of time, but you know, I don't, it's, it's not a daily responsibility for us, you know? And so for us as grandparents, everything, the kids did, it was cute, everything, you know, but I don't deal with it every single day. I just deal with it those times when I'm with them. So it's fun.
0: Well, it's exciting to hear common thread. Uh, Mike Bone was a guest on the underdog podcast when he was here in Cincinnati. So the USC athletic director, so yes. Um, small world there. And mm-hmm. I know, um, done some, you know, connecting with Luke Fickle, like I said, a lot of great coaches and leaders in the sports space you've worked with. And obviously importantly, a lot of businesses and businesses like ourselves. And this was not here to promote focus three I just more gratitude and thankful for the work because it's made such an impact truthfully yeah. on our organizations. Like I said, we, we, we really majority of our, it's not mandated, but you'll see when you go to our centers, we've got 24 across the country, You know, we, we, we needed a leadership language and you were, you were there for us and your work has really helped us go through, you know, especially this, this COVID we, we rolled it out about two years ago after the podcast, um, really studied the work and said, Hey, we really, this is something that can help us in life. And that's what people love too. It's not Kyle. This is not just helping me at at our, at your company. It's helping us helping me at home. And that's what you told me. I said, that's funny, because that's what Tim told me. <laughs> and it did help me. My marriage has gotten better. My relationships mm-hmm. with my kids have gotten better. Yeah, that's awesome. um, I have more purpose and attention to things that, you know, and, and a lot of times it's what you do and, and sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, but it's just you simplified it for me because it seems overwhelming when you look at life in different lenses and, and especially, you know, you can, like I said, it, three kids work, this, 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 and that all the different pressures of, of a circumstance. But you know, you really were able to break it down to me and say, Hey, this is just break each event down. And each event has a response that leads to a different response. And you really want to have better outcomes, Kyle, and you'll enjoy your life. And it'll be more, you'll, you'll have more purpose and you'll drive forward and you'll affect and, and change other lives. And anyway, I appreciate well, you.
1: Let's Yeah. Let's make sure though, that, that, Anyone listening to this podcast that may not have heard before and may not know precisely what we're talking about, you're referencing E plus R equals O, which stands for event plus response equals outcome. And the message in that framework is that you do not control events. You do not directly control outcomes, but you always have control over how you choose to manage the R. And every day you make a decision how to respond to the events that you're experiencing and the outcomes you're pursuing. And the R that you choose determines the O that you get. And if you want a better O, you have to choose a better R. And there is no situation in life, personal or professional, to which E plus R equals O does not apply. It applies driving your car. It applies traveling through an airport. It applies to young parents. It applies to grandparents. It's just something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, thank you again. And that's so you're, you, you're teaching me another thing. I I'm just so normal to the ERO. You think as a, as a, as a, as a, a person in the podcast, I would be able to lay it out for you. But I, um, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's become part of my normal framework where I just think everyone knows it, but, uh, it's like an operating system, isn't it? Exactly. And I'm sitting here on the podcast, I'm thinking, you know what, the, the one rule is you explain, you don't assume that people know, and I keep assuming talking to you, but it just shows you how much, uh, once again, nothing but gratitude uh, to your work and um, the best is ahead, I think for you and, and appreciate your time and effort today and spending with me, it means the world. Um, anything else, Tim, to, to wrap it up? Any other uh, knowledge nuggets or any words of advice for our, our audience?
1: You know, I, I think what I'm seeing, too, through all the COVID and all this stuff, right? Now, and we need leaders to become much better at the disciplines and principles of leadership. And we we recently changed the name of our leadership program from Lead Now to Relentless Leadership and got the trademark for it and all that because we recognize the need for leaders to just always Relentlessly build trust with people and help people go produce results, and that's what leadership's about. It's about it's about engaging with people and helping people execute. And I just it's a real passion I have for for how people are leading today. We need better leaders in politics. We need better leaders in in our communities. We need better leaders in our schools. We need better leaders in our companies. Uh, we we need better leaders in, in athletic environments. We, we need better leadership today. It's never been more important than it is today. And I think COVID exposed weak cultures and weak leaders. You know, we started this podcast, you say, you no, know, Focus 3, what we're all about. We, we develop leaders, we strengthen cultures, and we equip people to behave with discipline. That's what we do. And that's my passion. And, and so that's, that's becoming just more and more evident to me the need for those things. So I just leave on the leader, I will leave it on the leadership note. And if someone's listening to this, they happen to be in a leadership position, you know, visit our 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 um, our website and listen, you know, stuff we do, because it's just, we give away a lot of free stuff. I just want you to be better as a leader, all of you listening to this, no matter what domain you may be serving in. And uh, leadership is most important when it's most difficult. And it's challenging now and we need you. So, elevate your leadership.
0: Yeah. And uh, once again, your work has left a legacy on me. So um, thank you again. And and I I highly advise, you know, once again, those that might be struggling, that's listening to this and find it resourceful. I know I was rattling through a lot of the different work because it is is more natural for me now um, because we use it every day. We really do. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it helps. Um, At the end of the day, like you said, Tim's mission is it's not about him or it's not about even his team it's about people and teams we serve and really lifting lifting others and making more leaders as he had just mentioned in this world so thanks tim really appreciate you and i know you mentioned last time you know you're gonna make it 20 years i know i like i said you threw it out there on the last podcast so i know you know, the, the things, but you're going to live, uh, your life. I know to the fullest and continue to make impacts on folks like me. So God bless you. Appreciate you.
1: I appreciate it. Kyle. Thank you very
0: much. Thanks for listening to the underdog podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google podcast apps. Leave a five-star rating and send our Twitter handle, a screenshot of your rating at underdog pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the U.D.P.